our first reading today comes from Matthew um, chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. It's a genealogy. <laughs> Thanks, Lee. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez, and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jeroham. Jeroram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Ammon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile of Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shelatel. Shelatel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud. Abiud, the father of Elikim. Elikim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Eliud. Eliud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Mathen. Mathen, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Thus, there are 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. <sighs> Our second reading today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 5, verses 27 to 35. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the word of the Lord. 
Well, my name's Lee. If I haven't met you yet, I'm the new chaplain. Well, about 11 months I've been chaplain down at the village in retirement living, and I love it down there uh, at St Luke's. And I firstly, before the sermon hasn't started, okay, set the watches off. Um, I want to say thank you for those who partnered with me and those in the village to be able to um, give gifts to those in the village. It was really a very special thing for me to be able to go and knock on doors and say the people at Dapto Anglican care for you and they're concerned about how life is for you. And so I knocked on all the doors and the chocolates and the gifts, they were just so specially um, used by God. So thank you for that. I'm still going through them on second rounds now, not me personally, but um, giving them out in the village. Um, so here we go. We're going to dive into this passage. Well, any of you did so well in that reading today. I take no responsibility. So oh, here's the video. Let's like watch yours. this. Matthew. Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're going to throw it all away. chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I love that line, get used to different. And that's the Christian faith. It's different. Um, I recommend, if you haven't seen uh, that series, Chosen, um, have your Bible in one hand to make sure it's saying what the Bible says. But uh, We love it in our family. I commend it to you. Well, I, as I started to say, I didn't choose this series, but I'm glad this passage was here. And you may be thinking, oh, I wish I'd known. I might have turned over and gone back to sleep. But I hope you'll leave today believing that this is here for a really good reason and that it can make a difference in our lives. Just this week, I heard the story of some Bible translators who were working with Aborigines, and they came to this very passage and they looked and thought, I wonder what the indigenous Christians who are just coming to faith are going to think of Matthew's genealogy. And so they got them to help it translate. And it was life-changing for these indigenous Australians. They said, this is a real man. He's not just an idea, a real person of history. And of course, ancestors are important to them. But it's big business in our day today, isn't it, in our country? Someone after 8 o'clock said they'd done a bit of genealogy research and they were surprised that there was a name missing where their grandfather, 
his name should be. And that led them on a rabbit warren. I wonder if you've done some research. You found any convicts? That's a credit point these days. How weird's that? If you've got a, credit, if you've got a convict in your um, heritage and in your family tree. Well, I don't, but my wife does. Yeah, so I, that's something to count for. But we're talking about something different from a family tree. We're not talking about the sisters and the cousins and the aunts today. We're talking about a direct line of ascent. That's what a genealogy is, a line of descent. And we believe this is in here because God means it to be in here. Dapto Anglican is a Bible-believing church, and we believe this, that all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wanted this in here for a good reason, and I believe that it's profitable for us if we will listen to the Spirit of God as he writes something on our hearts. From Matthew's perspective, he knew the context of the day, the oppression God's people had been under for hundreds of years. They'd been oppressed by the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and at that stage by the Romans. And many people had raised, risen up and called themselves Messiah, or other people had called them the Messiah. Matthew encounters Jesus, who makes the claim, who fits the bill. He is the real deal. He is the Messiah of God. And so he writes his gospel to clear it up for everybody. This is the one we've been waiting for. He is a devout Jew who becomes a devout Christian and will give his life because he knows Jesus is no pretender. He's the one who was converted in that clip there. And he writes with a particular heart for the Jews... Actually, he's going to write for everyone. And you'll see if you read through those 28 chapters of Matthew's gospel, it's for the rich and the poor, for the religious, for the irreligious, for Jew and for Gentile. But his heart of hearts is for the Jewish people, his own uh, kindred. And he's going to write this to show we've got him. He's here. Put your trust in him, he will say. And so we're going to go on a bit of a journey and I'm going to use the front of the stage as a little bit of a timeline. If, if that speaker's Abraham and that's David and we come to the cross and we're over here looking back at it today. And so we'll trace it through and in 17 verses we'll cover more than 1,800 years of history and you'll be very pleased I'm not going to cover all 40 odd names. That's, I promise that. We're going to have to skip over some because honestly we don't know who some of them were. They're just a name in the Bible. But it's true. And as we go through this, it's, I'm making it sound like it's going to be a straight line. But brothers and sisters, this is a rabbit warren. It's all over the place. It's up and down. It's high and low. There are great people. There are wicked people in the line of God. And we'll come back to that and the implications of that in a moment. But I love the fact that Joshua... Not long after the promise had been given, he comes onto the scene here, somewhere here, about 500 years, the promises of God have been going, and he says these words uh, just before he dies. Joshua 23. Now I'm about to go the way of the, all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. So we're going to go through and see that all of history 
is shaped by the promises and plans of God. Nothing is outside his control. So let's dive in and look at verse 1. The journey begins. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. There's two prongs as he summarises what's about to come. Firstly, son of David. This is the kingly line. The one to come will be a king. And he's the son of Abraham. And he is the promise fulfilled that was made to Abraham that got the salvation story going. Genealogies were important back in those days. You could not, if you were a young boy wanting an education in the synagogue, go in and be educated if you did not, if you could not show your genealogy, your line of descent. You couldn't own property, you couldn't participate in the law courts. It was important. And Matthew's genealogy starts with Abraham. Verse 2. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac the father of Jacob. Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Matthew doesn't go right back to Abram like Luke did. He just starts with Abraham and the promise that was made. Because for him, he sees it all begins there with the promises of God and God is going to fulfil that and has fulfilled as he writes his gospel. The plan of salvation has become clear to him because he's been saved. In Genesis 12, here's the promise. And this would be worth memorising. I will make, God says to Abraham you into a great nation i'll bless you i'll make your name great and you will be a blessing i'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you i will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed because of you abraham is so puzzled by that because he's pushing 90 plus how can i have a kid and how can my wife have a kid she's 80 plus Years go by and it still hasn't happened and God reminds him, I'm still working my purposes out in my time. Even less impossible, humanly speaking, now. But God says, Abraham, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. God promises that he will use Abraham to start a nation. See, prior to that, there were no Jewish people. This is the beginning of that nation from whom will come one who will bless all the earth. That's where we're going. And Abraham gets that and Moses gets that and Matthew gets that. All history is going to flow out of that promise. Verse 3, the journey continues. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Now we pause for a moment to look at this interesting character, Judah, one of the patriarchs of Israel. He has failed in his lawful duty to find a husband for his daughter-in-law after her husband, his son, dies. That's his job. He's meant to do that. And you can read about it in Genesis 38. So Tamar does something unthinkable in the Jewish system. She dresses herself as a prostitute. She knew that where Judah would be and that he would be looking for a prostitute. Can you get that? She has sex with him, disguised. He doesn't know it's her. 
so that she can fulfill, she can have a baby to fulfill the line of promise. So the promise would be fulfilled. They take matters into their own hands. Judah, not, still not knowing it was her, she is found to be pregnant. And he says, well, that, your daughter-in-law deserves to die. And they, he says, yeah, yeah, she's been playing up. And then suddenly he realises he's been sprung. So before we throw stones at her, Judah is culpable. He is the one who went looking for a prostitute. So why is this included? You know, We could have made this a squeaky clean line, but the Bible is so real, it is accurate, it records the details. And we're going to see as we come down through the generations, as I said, there are twists and turns everywhere. And there is not one perfect person in the lineage of Jesus. They all need a saviour. Dot, 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 through to today. We all need a saviour. We'll come back to that in a moment. Well, we skip over a few generations and now we're at David, about 1000 BC, and we read in verse 6, Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Underline that. Here we have the introduction of another woman, most unusual, most unconventional, to include this, there are four women, if you've noticed, in this. Five if you include Mary. But the first four probably wouldn't have been your pick of the, the four feminine heroes of the Bible, would they? Maybe you would have chosen Sarah, Rebecca and Rachel, Leah. I don't know who you would have chosen. But these are included for a particular purpose. Firstly, they're, they're women. And God's promises are for men and women. They are part of the plan of God. Rahab herself was a prostitute. Ruth was a Moabitess, a foreign nation. What's God doing? Well, he is showing them what his plans will become. God is in charge. And despite sinful people, he's going to fulfil his purposes. And so we come on a massive detour. When his people are disobedient, they go around about this time, in 500-odd BC, they go into exile. They go into Babylon, being punished for their sins. But God's promises will be fulfilled, even as he brings them back into the promised land. And we read in verse 12, After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel. The list includes in that list people we've never heard of outside the Bible, but they're real. It includes the high and low, the rich and the poor, people who love God and people who didn't. There are people in that list, on this line, included in the Bible, who knew of the promises of God to differing degrees. The question is, did they believe them? Did they trust them? In difficult times, they believe God is still in control and did they put their trust in him? Some are heroes of the faith and others had no faith. And I, as I was just preparing in my mind, I wondered, here we are, centuries after they've died, wondering who we're going to enjoy fellowship with in heaven. Those who trusted God are going to be with us because of Jesus on this side of the promises of God. 
Well, God's plans didn't depend on the faithfulness of his people. God remains faithful even when his people don't. And he will bring his plan to fruition. And of course, we get to verse 16 and we see the destination. And it is Jesus. Look at verse 16. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. We're now at the destination. The promises have been fulfilled. All the promises of God find their fulfilment in the Lord Jesus. I said before that there is no one perfect in Matthew's genealogy, but there is one. Of course, it is the son of Mary, Jesus Christ. He is the perfect one who will go to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins that we deserved and offer us something instead, and I'll come back to that in a moment. The Messiah has come and he's come to his own, but his own did not receive him. In fact, Many Jewish people are still looking for a Messiah to come. But brothers and sisters, we move along the line and the biological line of Jesus is fulfilled. What, what happens? Jesus didn't have any children, despite what some critics of the Bible say. They make conjectures. He had no children. So where do we stand? Well, I love what John writes in his equivalent of this genealogy. He says, to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. And I'll come back to that in a moment. So here we are on this side of the cross and history is still being shaped by the purposes and promises of God. Paul puts it like this. God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And friends, if, if you have done that, if you have trusted Christ, if you are in Christ, you've been taken out of the dominion of darkness and placed into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. You have eternal life. Everything changed that day you trusted Christ. Your sins gone to Christ and his spirit put in you. You're born again, you're a child of God and that changes everything. All the promises of God ever made are now yours in Christ. Well, that's what's so profitable for us. As we look through this, we see we've got a faithful God. And I want to just spend the last remaining minutes saying there's at least for me, there's nine implications. There's five, nine profitable ways we can understand this passage. And the first is God is sovereign over all history. Do you believe that? I'm going to ask this as a creed. Do you believe God is sovereign over all history and nations? Tell me. Yep. You do. Of course we do. But sometimes we might question that when we look around this nation rising against this nation today. Brothers and sisters, remember this. Wars have always been here. God is always in control. Secondly, God's plan of salvation is never under threat. Despite the detours, despite the distractions, despite the sin that goes on in God's people, Despite pan pandemics, God will work his purposes out. Do you believe that? I hope you do with all your heart. Number three, Jesus is an historical person. He arrived 
at 5 or 6 BC, lived that perfect life and then comes out and shows he is the Messiah. He's the saviour of the world. He dies on the cross, a real death. He rises from the death to life on the third day and shows himself to hundreds of people. That's the one we serve. He is a real historical person and that should impact us and our living. He's not a myth. He's not a good idea. He is truly an historical person. And number four, he is fully human. As our text says in verse 16, he was born of Mary. Notice the careful way verse 16 shows he's not the son, the biological son of Joseph. Joseph is the one majored on in that lineage. But he's the stepdad. He's the legal guardian of Jesus. Important we understand that. Some will claim that, you know, there's big discrepancies between the genealogies. When you understand their purpose and which line they're tracing, there aren't. Well, number four, if that's the one I'm up to, no, that is it, isn't it? Jesus was born fully human. And I shared with somebody in the village this week something that was pretty special to them. They're going through life in a really difficult circumstance. Lots of worries weighing in on them. And so we read this passage from Hebrews 4 together and it blessed them and it blessed me. Brothers and sisters, when you need to remember Jesus and his presence with you, remember this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can find mercy and receive grace to help us in time of need. You can need that every day this week, sometimes more than others, more than you realise. And you can go for well-timed grace to the throne of grace every day. Do it. Number five, Jesus is the promised Messiah this is Matthew's conclusion in his thesis. He's the son of Abraham. He's the son of David. And praise God, when the time was fully right, God fulfilled his purposes. The Messiah came on earth as the anointed king. No more waiting. And he is Lord of all, number six. Once he arrived, no longer do we see Israel as the sole recipient of the blessing. He is the, the Lord of all nations, the saviour of all. And as God promised to Abraham, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. If you were here or watched last week, Gary gave us a great presentation. You probably remember the words that I remember when he asked the question, have you got guts? Have you got the guts of Jesus? Now the heart of Jesus for the lost, Matthew certainly did. He wanted to see Jews and Gentiles become followers of Jesus. But I want to add on to Gary's challenge today. Do you have a burden for a particular people? Maybe it's a people group in this country or maybe it's overseas. Can I encourage you to develop that? Take that to God and ask to put that on the heart. Research it. Give to it. Pray for it. Number seven. Jesus comes as, I've got a rescuer king. It's the rescuer king. That's who he is. He is the one and only rescuer king. And in this um, 
ocean of diversity and depravity, we've got grace and mercy flowing and the rescuer comes and rescues high and low, rich and poor, men and women, Jew and Gentile, you name it. Jesus is saviour of all. And I often run across Christians who have been following Jesus for a while who are concerned for other people, which is great, we should be, that they might be saved, but they've written some people off, saying they're too bad or they're too good, you know. They don't think they need a saviour. Well, I want to encourage you. God can save anyone he chooses, so please keep praying. If they're on your heart, it's there for a reason. And ask that God will bring the right person into their lives to share, or as I like to say, to display and declare the, the glory of Jesus to them. And maybe that'll be you who does it. The cross is where anybody can be made clean. Number eight, Jesus comes from a dysfunctional family line. Somebody spoke to me after eight o'clock and said that's so precious to them because they didn't inherit a great legacy, if you like, or a heritage. Maybe your family of origin is a bit dysfunctional. Maybe there's some brokenness still. I want to encourage you to take that to the throne of grace. Is God bigger than that? Of course he is. Jesus who walked this planet earth and who had a dysfunctional family line down the track. I'm sure Mary was a great mum, but we believe Joseph was off the scene, probably died in his, when Jesus was a teen. But we have a saviour who we can call on to bring wholeness where there's dysfunction. You can trust him for a fresh start. And maybe today, maybe right now is a good time for you to renounce your past. If, if you think it's holding you back, verbally speak against it in the name of Christ and ask Jesus for mercy and grace, forgiveness, for freedom, and for a fresh start. Three Fs. Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. And make an intent to leave a different legacy than the one you inherited. Maybe you could say with Joshua, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord, God being my helper. But I guess maybe there are many people in the family like me who had a good family background and I'm thankful to that. Can I say don't rest on your credentials. Thank God for it and pass the blessings on to others. Finally, remember we're this side of the cross and we're waiting on a promise too, aren't we? Up here, Jesus said, I will come back. He's not only come the first time, but just as surely he will come back a second time. And he's going to take up those who are his own. Whether you're dead and in the grave, you'll be raised. Or if you're still alive, maybe before we get to carols this year, you'll meet him in the air. Praise God. God will work his purposes out. As I said before, Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him. But those who did receive him, he gave the right to become the children of God. How come he's got the right? Because he's the son of Abraham. He's the son of David. He's the son of God. He's the son of Mary. And he has the right, if you receive him, to make sure you're adopted into the family of God. So you don't need that biological line that is yours. 
You need the spiritual line. And it is yours when you put your trust in Jesus. To all who believed in him, who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Born again. Born with a new hope. Born with a new future. What a life that is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're a faithful God. You are always true. You've given us such precious promises and they're fulfilled in Jesus. May our eyes be fixed on him, not our own good deeds, not our own heritage, but on him. And all he says that is true of us, our new identity is children of yours. Father, may we walk out of here today confident in Jesus that by your grace we've been forgiven and we have a fresh start and a new life. Help us to live that out by loving you and loving our neighbours. In Jesus' name, amen.